I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of The Wocast. Joining me as always, my co-defendant, it's G. What's going on? Hey, hey. That's good. Well, I'm still sweltering under this heat. This oppressive heat. I shouldn't really complain because us Brits aren't really known for our good weather, but... Man, it's kind of like nearly the dead of night here, but I'm still baking from the day. It's just oppressive. But you know what wasn't oppressive? This weekend's worth of fights. I mean, talk about being spoiled. Friday, Bellator 243. Now tell me, be, be honest, you know when they originally booked Michael Chandler versus Benson Henderson 2, did you foresee mm -hmm. that Michael Chandler, Chandler would actually... Um, end that fight emphatically and end that fight um, basically in a way in which kind of like secures what he was kind of aiming for and that is um, possibility of a talk now of some UFC action. Um, one of the things he was quite key on or keen on doing in the run-up to this fight was making sure that people, you know, remembered that he is of a particular calibre and remembered that there are challenges outside of Bellator who have treated him really well. What did you think? Well, first and foremost, I was not expecting a first-round uh, TKO from uh, Chandler. And secondly, I was expecting, like, a barn burner, like their first fight. So, you know, they're both very durable men. So I was not expecting a KO from either, from either man. Mm -hmm. So it was pretty cool. And secondly, um, I'd love to see Chandler in the USC. Do I think we see it? I'm not sure because I think fans are forgetting that he's way past his prime. <laughs> wow, that, that's cold. No, he. That's he, cold. No, 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 no. It's not cold. It's true. This guy is not a prospect at all, and I'm not like taking away from his performance or his previous performances. Mm. He is, in fact, a very dangerous lightweight, and he always has been. Don't forget his wars with Eddie Alvarez. But I'm just saying right now where he is in his career. You're not teaching, you know, him any new tricks. Yeah. He's past his prime. He's still really good, but I just don't know if UFC is going to give him UFC money for that type of fighter for right now. You know, but I would love to see it. Pre there are plenty of intriguing matchups for him mm. in the UFC. I just don't think he's t contending for a title. And once you start hitting top uh, seven, top seven, or top five, they're, they're pretty much going to smoke him, I think. My my personal opinion. What do you think? See, pre-COVID, I would have thought that, you know, he would definitely be in the running for some violent money because, you know, look at the man's caliber. You have to remember, he's only 21 and five. And the fact is, you know, he has produced some real top-notch top fights. Okay, they've been decisions, yes. but they've been interesting. They've been intriguing. They have actually caught my attention and kept my attention. I think as well, in terms of challenges, let's be realistic. What challenges within Bellator exist for him if he was to stay? Not many, right? None, none. He needs to move on. There you go. And I think as well, um, I don't think that they'll pay him top dollar, but I think that they will be interested in him because... 
whilst um, Benson Henderson is one of their quote-unquote cast-offs, I mean, to KO a man is no mean feat. Now, I don't know if you want to call it a KO, because he he wasn't out, out. But I want to say it's a TKO, but it's down as a KO. But... You know, he's showing. I thought it was a TKO. Yeah, it's down um, as a as a KO if you uh, go by the results issued by Bellator. But one of the things which um, this actually does, it shows that he has a finishing style, which um, up until now was was in question. Now, for me, the big question is: Okay, who does he fight when he gets over there? Um, I do like the possibility of him against someone like, you know, Dan Hooker. I personally feel he is top five. But um, I, I would like to see him given the opportunity. But saying that, you know, a lot of people haven't really entertained the idea of him going across to one. Imagine a, a third bite at the cherry um, in terms of matchups, um, him against Eddie Alvarez. Now, I would love that. You see, that I, I don't think people are talking about enough. One, have the financial means by which to recompense him and to give him the violent money that he seeks. But, you know, in one, you do get a chance to be the big dog. You do get a chance to be, you know, um, well, showered with the publicity, which I feel that, you know, he does actually deserve. But I suppose that the key and most important thing here is I think people are sleeping on the fact that, you know, a third uh, round at uh, Alvarez versus Chandler, I I would definitely pay to see that. Yeah, I think his future is either at one or the UFC, even if he doesn't crack like the top five or its title contention in the UFC, there are plenty of intriguing matchups for Michael Chandler from the top five to even the top 15. You know, I can watch him fight Paul Felder, Al Iaquinta, Kevin Lee, even even maybe even a Drew Dober. Can you imagine him and Drew Dober throwing hands? Like, I can see him with quite a few people in the lightweight division. And also, one would be favorable for him. I think one can also afford to pay him. Not that the UFC can't, obviously, but I think one would be the company that can pay him the Chandler money that he wants as well. You know, we also have to take into consideration that we might want to see these UFC lightweight, you know, matchups because, you know, to us, they have the best people in the world fighting. Yeah. But Chandler's got to do what's best for his pockets, too. You never know if you see him at one. I have I have a feeling he's going to want to be matched or he's going to want to make more money. I have a feeling that Chandler himself believes that he is a commodity, which he is, and he needs to be paid according accordingly and i just don't know if the ufc is going to do that for someone that is not exactly going to be fighting for a title you know he almost makes like championship money but he's not headed for the title and i don't know if the ufc is going to compensate him like that you know i've got it i don't know there's a particular vibe that i got from watching all of his pre-fight interviews in that I don't really get the sense that he's driven by money because he's taken care of by Bellator. Bellator have been really, really good to him. That was one of the key things that he was keen to get out in the interviews. I think now for him, it's about legacy. It's about making a mark. It's about pitting his skills against the best in the world. And, you know, for my money, the best in the world, you know, are out there in the UFC. Or, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to find another organization that will give him the challenges that he needs the deep challenges that he needs because imagine against uh, well imagine him against el kukui that would be a hell of a fight 
Right. I mean, I could just name so many because it's like he's just so well-rounded. And, and then he also has brand name value. A lot of people know who this guy yeah. is. He's kind of all-American. He's on IG posting pictures of his family, his adoptive child. His workout videos are killer. I follow him alone on IG just to get workout motivation. Wow. I mean, his, 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 his workouts are unreal to me. I, and then he's also in shape all the time mm. like even when he's not in fight camp he's it looks like he's in fight camp like i love the guy <laughs> but i just wonder if he's going to i just wonder if he's going to make that ufc money and it's kind of like what you said does he take a pay cut and is like you know what i want to follow my legacy and be the fighter that just ends my career in the ufc and does he take a pay cut or does he does he think about money and legacy and go over to one and, and contend with eddie again or whatnot i'm really curious to see where he winds up but i have to say that i haven't seen dana make any statements statement yet on him have i missed anything mike no not not at all i've I've not heard anything i've not seen anything um but i reckon in the coming days um that's going to be kind of like teased out in some conversation along the line because as i say leading up to the um or leading up to 243 that was all everybody was talking about yeah i i I hope that he comes over to the UFC regardless of where he is, whether, you know, he's not a prospect past his prime, whether folks think I'm being harsh or not. (laughs) I'm all for him coming to the UFC no matter what state he's in. I think he's a superb fighter. I'm just being just, you know, lethally honest about where he is because, Mike, I feel like fans saw his performance on Friday and then suddenly now they're in love with him. Yeah. And meanwhile, me and you, it's like we know about the Eddie Alvarez fights. We know about his wars with Will Brooks and whatnot. And these are wars. We know he's a little war torn here. So he's not new to the game. You know, I, sometimes I get a little annoyed when casuals kind of use recency bias and, and run with it. And it's just like, hey, just remember, he does have a plateau here. Yeah. No, I hear you. You know, just, just to remind you. You know, ahead, you know. Man. Speaking of reminding me, you just brought up a blast from the past. Will Brooks? Yeah. Where's Will Brooks? I don't know, man. He came over to the UFC and he wasn't able to bring. He wasn't able to bring it. He had a he had a tough career in the UFC when they brought him over, and then I believe he was cut. Yeah, but but but, but where but, is he now? You know, but when he was, I have no idea. But when he was fighting Chandler, man, those wars were also just as good as mm. Eddie Alvarez's wars, man. So. You know, good. God bless Chandler. He's been around for a minute and he's been entertaining us for quite a while. I was happy to see him and his free agency on such a positive note. Yeah. What a statement to me. Yeah. I mean, speak- he deserves it. Yeah, true. Speaking of having aspirations for the UFC, one which I know has actually been cut short was Curtis Millender. I know he had aspirations of actually um, being signed up after his fight with Sabah Hamasi, but unfortunately didn't actually go the way that he planned it. Um, unfortunately, he was on the wrong end of a unanimous decision. Now, for me, Curtis uh, uh, is, I think, a phenomenal fighter. I was surprised that it looked as though he was kind of like struggling with Sabah Hamasi. But for me, um, the, the talking point on the prelims, though, was Valerie Lareda and uh, Tara Graf. And um, I love the fact that, you know, she was being herself given that there was so much emphasis on this whole you are a fighter but you're acting as though you're an instagram model she just you know took it to people in that not only did she make uh, an emphatic statement in you know laying waste to telegraph in that tko i think it looked quite spectacular given that she had 
such a long layoff. But also, um, you know, the dancing afterwards. I have to say, I was really entertained by that, and I'm glad that she brought that to the table. <laughs> I, I didn't take an issue with the dancing. Um, I paid more attention to that right hand, that accuracy, that the fact that that right hand landed right on the nose, and it was it was beautiful. She planted her feet. And she timed that sucker beautifully, and it landed on square in that woman's face, and it dropped her. And that I was in. That's it. Like a sniper. And, yeah, and I was sold, and I was like, "Good God!" And I also love the scream right before, like as she lands it. Like I love that she's like vocal. And then after the kid, you know, after she ran around, she was like, "Yo, I'm that bitch. You can't fuck with me." And I'm like, "Yes, girl, let it out." Um, but I will say this, when she did her post-fight interview, I almost felt like she was on some type of like movement. I was just like, when did feminist women that fight in um, MMA, when were they oppressed? Because I, I, f- I felt like she really wanted to make a statement that she's really pretty and has pink nails and also fights. And it was like, girl, we just watched you drop someone with a lethal right hand. Who's worried about your nail polish? And then... <laughs> <laughs> I th- I'm neglecting the fact that she had some words of Macy online, and then I think also this opponent also had something to there say about her There was a little bit of beef in the run-up. Yeah, there was a lot, little yeah. bit of beef in the run-up to this. Um, and I missed that. Now, know? for me, you know, chat shit, get banged, and this was the epitome of that statement because, man, did she let her have it. I mean, I'm I'm not here for that aspect of MMA, and I'm not going to complain about her dancing or whatever. I thought it was cringy, like I was watching it and just was like, what is she, girl, what are you doing? Because it was just like a cringy little dance, but she's so cute, and she's, you know, she is attractive and whatnot. It, it didn't really bother me, because I'm here to watch her fight, so I don't really care how she conducts herself afterwards. She got the KO, yeah. and I just wish folks would leave her alone. If she's going to be the fighter that expresses herself in that way or she's incredibly fem feminist you know femme or whatever leave her alone because i'm getting tired of her having to defend herself about it just let her do what she does and let her develop as a fighter i think we're paying too much focus on the movement and the nail polish let the girl bang and if she wants to do a cartwheel or be a bitch afterwards who cares but you see, like I'm ready to move on. But you see, it kind of goes back to a conversation we had. I think it was a few podcasts back, and that you know there, there is this kind of like ongoing cesspool that exists within MMA Twitter that people are so hateful. They just want to see people, you know, get stomped and get stomped down, regardless of how positive they're being. They don't want to see positivity thrive. It's almost as though, you know, MMA Twitter in particular thrives on negativity and negative comments. Absolutely. Yeah, I think they really do because um, I think that's also what's feeding this like drama with her being feminine and and, and IG model. Yeah. It's also the fans that are also beefing about it. And the only thing that I would say about this is that I think it's okay for another fighter like Macy or even her coworker to be like, hey, you know, I have something to say about how you're presenting yourself. Mm. I feel like those two can have at it, which they did on Twitter. Then Macy was nice enough to come on the show and talk about it. But that's where it ends, between two fighters. It's not our place for us, the people at home, to be like, oh, she should do this and that. We can phase all that out. You know, I just think we should focus more on the fact that she's an up-and-comer that just drops someone beautifully. Mm. And, and and how she celebrates and what she does with herself outside of the, you know, that right hand and what she does in the cage is ir- irrelevant. You know, let's get back to focusing on Valerie as a fighter yep. and celebrating her. 
and also being more positive towards her. There's nothing wrong if she wants to present herself in that way. And if two fighters want to discuss it because they have a difference of opinions, let them. It's not MMA Twitter's place to be like, oh, this, this, and that, this, this, and that. Let me jump in her mentions and, and call her this, this, and that. No, you're feeding into it. Let's let them develop as fighters to see where we go from there. Hmm. Well, as I mentioned, the other big ticket event over the weekend was mm-hmm. um, UFC Fight Night Lewis versus Olenek. Now, two massive heavyweights, both on a two-fight win streak definitely a sight to behold but before we get to the main event or even the main card i wouldn't mind just having a quick um scamper through the um prelims and i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna put my hands up i didn't see all of them but what i did see um and i'm glad i did actually catch this was kevin holland versus Joaquin buckley for me the precise workman like sniper like strikes that you know holland was actually dishing out was absolutely beautiful i mean that um what was it a right cross it was a right cross from hell literally you know (laughs) pounded the gum shield out of the guy and it was absolutely incredible just to see the 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 the, i think iq of the ref who kind of like instantly kind of recognized you know what buckley doesn't have to take any more damage there's just no need yeah he did a good job he did an amazing job but i just love the way in which you know holland move and his his precise strikes were man i reckon a thing of beauty i have to admit that you know kevin holland it wasn't just a masterful performance it was his swag like the dude was fighting with swag like he had attitude his hands were low at times he was taunting Mr. Buckley, he was talking shit to him in the in the in the octagon. He was trying to get in his head, which he was. And then not only was he doing that and putting on a great show for the fans, he was also in control of the fight. So whenever Kevin got struck, it was in the pocket, and it was when almost like when he decided to be in the pocket with Joe Quinn. You, you mm-hmm. understand? Like it was like when I jump yeah. in there, you can hit me, but I'm gonna be in complete control. And I have to say the narrative of the the prelims and the main card was the writing is on the wall. Kevin Holland, I swear to you, Mike, I knew that right hand was coming and was going to finish him because he kept landing it. And I was like, he's not going to be able to take any more of those because he doesn't see it coming and he's walking right into them. And that's Ah. what we saw happening. Yeah, he was kind of that that cross was if you go back and watch the fight, he was hitting him with it quite a few times, which means he was Mm. setting him up with it beautifully. And he walked him right into that final blow and that mouthpiece popped out. He looked like he got shot, my man. And I was I was just happy that the, the ref felt the same way I did. Like, he don't need no more. Cut the fight like it's over. (laughs) <laughs> and it was just a masterful performance, and I can't wait to see more from Kevin. It it wasn't mm. just the performance. I'm telling you, there's something about a guy that talks shit and it just has swag and comes in there forward but with his hands down and is like, yo, what's up? Almost like kept, um, Nate Diaz-like or Nick Diaz-like a little bit. He had an attitude last night, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Nice. Now, like I said, I didn't catch... Um, the main, oh, sorry, the uh, prelims. So what else floated your boat on the prelims? I I, I have to admit that I loved every prelim fight from start to finish. So I'm not going to bore you with all of them, but I'm telling you, go back and watch all of them. You won't be mad. But I have to say that Andrew Sanchez knockout of Wellington Terman is is something worth going back. It was a beauty. And I do believe with the broadcasters, Andrew was just like, 
beating him to the punches. And again, it was another fight where you're like, you see the writings on the wall because he's like setting yeah. this stuff up and he kept getting him with an ugly one-two. And finally, there was a one-two Wellington could no longer handle and it was flushed down the pipe and it dropped him. And then, unfortunately, there were some unnecessary shots, but the ref was too far away, but it was a beautiful um, KO. And I know Andrew's feeling good. In his post-fight speech, he was like, finally, I'm getting that footing. You know, like all his work is coming together. So now he's like, yeah, yeah, it, it's worth it, Mike, to go back and watch. It's a beautiful um, knockout. Um, Nasrat Hakparas, beautiful three-round decision against Alexander Munez. He was so tough. And also, Yusef Zalal versus Peter Barrett. Um, shout out to this Moroccan. I believe he's a Moroccan fighter. I'm not too familiar with him, but I am now. I'm going to be watching all his fights. First round, okay. spinning back um, kick to Peter's chin. Flush. Gorgeous. Wow. Yeah, flush, too. Go back. It, it, it reminds me of Uriah Hall on a tough when he did that um, spinning back kick to that kid. Same thing, except this kid didn't get the knockout, but it was beautiful. Go back and watch Yusuf Zalal versus Peter Barrett. And Peter Barrett was pretty fucking tough. Too tough for his own good, but he took a beating. It was a three-rounder. But the prelims from top to bottom, Mike, are pretty good. You won't be mad if you, you, know, you spend an afternoon watching them. How about the um, submission by Gavin Tucker over yes. Justin James? Yes. What, what, what did he catch him with? I'm, I'm unsure exactly what he caught him with because what happened was is that Gavin got caught with like a beautiful uppercut and um, Justin James kept coming at him and whatnot, and Gavin had to make like adjustments in, in like mm. towards the later rounds, which I've watched and was beautiful. I can't remember the exactly what happened with the sequence, but I mean, Justin he broke after a while after Gavin made those proper um, adjustments to the fight. He was able to get the better of him, and the next thing you know, he's on the floor and he submitted him. It was a great fight. Um, like I said, I love fighters that have to adjust to their fighters mid-fighting. It, I love that. That's fight IQ. And you're all by yourself in there. And then when, you're, you know, when your opponent comes out and comes straight at you and things change and you have to deviate from the game plan and come up with something else, that's what we saw with Gavin. And I, I loved it. And Justin James put up a great fight. But like I said, Mike, I can talk about mm. all these fights from, uh, from the opening prelim to um, Tim Means and Star Apoli really good performances everybody fought hard even even the losers like i'm telling you that barrett kid he might have lost but i got my eye on him because he's really tough peter barrett from the contender series tough kid okay tough kid yeah so now on to the main card um man benil dairish um versus scott holtzman mm-hmm. that first round spinning forearm it wasn't an elbow that forearm caught him flush on the chin and that was the beginning of the end for Holtzman and it was kind of like a, a walk of KO he was like ah he's had enough and I'm pleased that he actually decided that he did not had enough because oh Herb circling there almost as though but nah all jokes aside at least Herb you know had the foresight to say you know what yeah you're right he's had enough yeah and, and like waved it off again Mike I don't know what happened last night but a lot of the fights that I watched you could see that the writing was on the wall. When I was watching this mm-hmm. fight, I even tweeted it. I was like, yo, Benil is going to smoke this kid. You know, and just from the opening few minutes of, of the fight, I could tell that Benil was already getting the best of him with his hands down coming forward and his almost unpredictable, awkward boxing. And he was yeah. catching Scott left and right. And finally, 
he tried that spinning back forearm, whatever that was, and landed. Pow! Mm. And here's the best part. You know, I heard um, online, I was watching an interview with um, Benil after the fight. Do you know that his son's friend told him, you're really good at spinning back elbow stuff on the, on the, <laughs> on the video game, on the UFC game? And he was like, you yeah. should try it. He's like, I keep knocking people out with you as the character in the game and with that specific move. And I cannot yeah. believe that Benil, in the middle of a fight, in the first round war with Scott Holtzman, was like, I'm going to try whatever this kid told me. And he gets it. KO flush. <laughs> Come on, bro. That's unreal. But back to Benil. It's about time we start taking this fella serious, Mike. My God. He, yeah. He's reminding, no, you're right. Yeah. He's reminding me of Charles Oliveira, somebody that you know mm. is a killer on the ground. This is a – people are forgetting. This man is a BJJ practitioner, and he's also really, really good at it. He's somebody that's world-class with BJJ, and I'm suddenly forgetting that because he keeps knocking everybody out. Mm-hmm. And I think he's just on that same path as Charles Oliveira, and I want to see him fight stiffer competition. I wouldn't mind seeing him against Charles Oliveira. I wouldn't mind seeing him. There's a few named Diego Figueira. You know, that it's time to start giving him harder competition. He's showing us that he needs better folks than Scott Holtzman, and he's putting these guys away, uh, Drakkar Close. I think it's indicative to like now step it up UFC and I hope they do. What do you think? You think he could do a first step up, Mike? Oh, definitely. I think you're right in that people do need to be reminded. People do need to keep in mind that this guy, is he's got potential. He's a killer. And I feel, you know, yesterday or last night's performance kind of like put an exclamation mark and underline that fact. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm looking forward to seeing Benil uh, Darius continue to do like yeah. big things but um Absolutely. I don't know maybe I'm kind of like being mean here but it was kind of like um kind of like uh time to go and make um some sandwiches when uh Kanisakaya and uh <laughs> came on for me <laughs> I'm sorry it didn't do anything for me uh, it didn't do unless unless you know it was the the, the the morning sleepy dust actually doing its its uh its worst on me but um I wasn't really that enthralled by this fight. Oh no, not at all. I found myself at this point. I was like, it's snack time, so I was like in the fridge, <laughs> and then I would run back to the screen and be like, what happened? And then when I saw Yana yeah. still had her against the cage, I was like, okay, back to mm-hmm. let me get the sour cream. Let me, you know, I started like getting cute with it. Um, yeah. I will say this. I'm not going to tear apart their performance because what Yana did was she had to do to win. And if you check the stats, it's incredible what she did, even though the fight was boring. Do you understand? Like yeah. she had. Yeah. It, she she murdered the girl, but it was just done so ugly. Like for, for instance, total strikes. Yana had 209 total strikes for the whole fight. Homegirl had 30. Mm. Child, that's a shutout. You know what I mean? Like yeah. 43 significant strikes for Yana. Poor, her opponent, poor girl. Six, child. Okay, so she smoked this woman. It just wasn't done beautifully. It's not what the fans want to see, but Yana got it done. She did it well. She took minimal damage. There was some beautiful clinch work. Believe it or not, if you were able to just not fall asleep or go get snacks like me, I did see some nice elbows over the top and whatnot. And she pretty much shut down... um, you, you see, I keep avoiding her opponent's name. I keep saying the opponent. Um, <laughs> Stolyarenko, something. Stolyarenko. Yeah, there you go. Um, she shut that woman completely down, and that's mm. that's what you want to do when you you know in in a, in a fight like that. But just wasn't something that 
had fans clamoring, but she got the job done. Nah. I'm proud of you, and she shut the woman down. So, and I had some great snacks during the fight as well. She gave me like a little bit of a break, you know. <laughs> mm. The snacks I was actually um, getting ready was for the next fight, and that was Darren Stewart, Britain's own Darren Stewart, mm. East London-based uh, Darren Stewart from my neck of the woods, versus. Mackie Pitolo. Now, that first round sub, you know you were talking earlier about, you know, the writing being on the wall. That isn't something that I expected to see. And I've been following Darren from Adam Was a Boy. Now, that was a well, uh, well, well, that was a well-deserved, sorry, uh, performance bonus that he picked up as well, 50K. I'm glad that, you know, he's going to be spending that with him and um, his wife and his two boys. I can't wait to see, you know, the, the fruits of what he spends that on. Um, and that was quite closely matched, given that, you know, Darren was what? Going into that, he was 11 and 5. And uh, Mackie Patolo was, what, uh, 13 and 5. But... You know, what also kind of like nearly brought a tear to my eye, not just the, uh, you know, first round sub Mm -hmm. and, you know, flashbacks of him saying, I deserve to be here, I deserve to be here. (laughs) It was just like the constant um, uh, Brit voice, the lone Brit voice in his corner. I could hear him saying things like, you got this, bro, you got this, fuck him up, fuck him up. (laughs) And it was like, I I love to hear the, the, the Brit voice in there, but... Now, what you know nearly brought a tear to my eye was that you know he was repping his boy, Jay the Nightmare Shepherd. Uh, rest in peace. He was um, sadly murdered in July, and um, it kind of like just brought full circle about you know one of the things that Jay the Nightmare Shepherd was trying to do was to get to the UFC, and um, oh. you know he, he I, I undoubtedly was there in spirit watching over. Darren Stewart but no that was a a very very touching victory and a very touching victory speech that he made following uh, his win and it was good to see him back in the winning column. Absolutely and this this was not the writings on the wall this was not the fight where you can kind of see where this is headed and that's what I mean by the writings on the wall there are quite a few fights where I was like oh my man you're going to sleep and you're going to sleep with that right Mm, hand mm. he keeps hitting you with and a lot of the fights were like that. You could almost see their path to victory right away. Even Derek yeah. Lewis, when we talk about it, we'll, we'll discuss that path to victory. But a lot of the fights were like you could pinpoint the game plan. You can see the right hand in Kevin Holland. You could see the boxing was far more superior with ben- Benel Derouche and Scott Holzman. Now Darren Stewart and Mackie Patolo, I did not expect a high up an elbow up submission against the cage guillotine the way that I saw Darren Stewart pull that off. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't, I, I don't see Darren Stewart as a grappler. I see someone that knows enough to try to keep the fight standing, and he knows enough because he's in MMA, but I don't see him in that light. Yeah. So when I saw his back against the cage and saw him adjusting his hands, and then I saw him put that elbow up so that he could put that pressure on Mackey's neck and, and, and seal the submission, I was like, that is, that is impressive, and I did not see that coming, and that's high level. A lot of times when you watch these fighters, especially like 
you know, fighters that are still coming up, maybe rudimentary, like you had mentioned before, you don't, you, you don't see them making those adjustments because they're still learning. And Darren knew with his back against the cage to adjust his hands and to shove that elbow further into that man's neck by pulling his elbow up was, was a sight to see. Didn't see it coming. And kudos to Darren for that clean win. And I love to see fighters come out and get it done quickly in the first round, especially during these COVID times, yeah. because it means you, you don't have any injuries possibly you never really know but I like a quick finish I liked a lot of these first round finishes because it's like you're ready and prepped for the next fight maybe Darren can because of his beautiful performance will be booked right away he doesn't have he doesn't seem appear to be injured I like these quick finishes especially during a time during this climate when you might need to be available right away so good on Darren for that bonus and I hope to see him again soon oh 100% I think the plan was to try and stay ready because as you say sustained no damage it was a first round finish and you know, he's, he is in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, that's and then his post-fight interview was so funny. He was, by the, when he was wrapping up the interview, him and Paul were like flirting in, and not in that way, but they were like, you know, j- joking around. And he was like, still pretty, look at me, still good to go, you know? And I was like, that's right, you, you know, you're still pretty, but it's indicative to you're still fresh and you can take another fight in case Uncle Dana wants to throw something at you last minute. Yeah. And you know, Darren is all down for that, you know? Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Speaking, though, of being all down for that, it was downhill in the next fight as far as I was concerned. Oh, Chris Weidman versus Omari Akhmedov. Um, for me, this was an uninspiring decision for Weidman's return to middleweight. Okay, he got it done. He did what he had to do, and that was get back in the win column. But I was unimpressed by this, and it made me feel if this is the new Chris Weidman, um, I don't think he's going to be hanging with uh, the majority of the middleweights who he's going to be facing from here on in. I just can't see it. Mike, don't lie. After a performance like that, were you not waiting for this man to take off his gloves and put them down <laughs> in the middle of the cage and tell us that it's been great and he's going to coach the rest of his Saralanco mm. teammates? I was just like, please take off your gloves and put them in wow. the middle of the fucking cage. <laughs> and instead, my man said, top five, I'm coming after you, boy. <laughs> oh, my God. I am so happy he got the win. I'm going to start with that because I hate. I don't want listeners to think I'm just some type of hater, mm. but I am. Mike, you know I keep the shit real. What we saw last night, I think it's okay to celebrate the fact that he needed a win, but let's keep it real. That win was dismal and depressing. He, he's in full control the first round. He's beating the guy purely off his wrestling, not even with any striking, nothing significant in the strikes. So it's like, okay, he's going to go to his base yeah. and his foundation, which is wrestling, which goes to show me, too, that he's still diminishing because he can't, he, he don't have no hands no more. <laughs> this isn't the guy that... That this isn't the guy that doesn't fall for the ropey dope and knocks out Anderson Silva. Yeah. He doesn't have it. So what does he do? He resorts to his foundation. Y'all, that's not a good sign. It's not a good sign mm. that he just went right to his base. Yep. And then he wrestled the dude for the first round, which he did well. We have to give him props for that. Here's my issue. When he came back for the second round, the man was done, 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 done. Did he done? He had did no he done, cardio. Done, 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 right? Like, <laughs> yes. When he got up for that second round, I said, oh, Lord, it's over. The fight's over. And if this big Russian catches him with something, he going to bed because yeah. we know about night, that night. chin. Mm. 
I didn't like the performance. It did not give me hope. It made me very sad. And I'd like to say that I don't think we ever see the Chris Weidman that we saw on that hell of a tear when he became the champ. Unfortunately not. And I think he's, yeah, I think he's struggling with quite a decline here. I love his confidence. My man said, I'm ready, top five, I'm coming for y'all in the top five. I don't even think they blinked. I don't even think, I don't think Israel Adesanya or anybody was like, yeah, let's bring him up here. No. I think the top five felt the same way we felt. Keep your ass down there. Mm-mm. Yeah. But, but it's, for, what, you know, let's not go into too much. We have some questions about him if we get to it about Chris and stuff like that mm. and where he should go mm. and, and whatnot. But I wasn't impressed, but I, I am happy he got the win. <laughs> okay, we're at the main event now. And Olinik versus Lewis. I love the fact that, you know, that Lewis rode out that first round fighting off uh, Olinek's attempt at, uh, at a choke. I mean, he was saying post-fight that he was gurgling. He was about to go out and he was. He just suddenly said to himself, no, I'm not going out like that. And like riding it out until, <clears throat> excuse me, the start of the second when he finally KO'd Olinek after only 21 seconds. That flying knee, how does, how does he keep, or how, do, how is he able? Man of his size, man of his stature, um, coming off the operations so that he nimble. has to be so nimble, yeah, flying knees. I saw switch I saw kicks, spin, oh. spinning kicks, and it's like actually no turning kick. And yeah. for me, just like the the barrage of strikes as well. It's like hold on a minute, this and guy, this guy is moving like a middleweight. Incredible. Can you imagine if he loses twenty pounds, like he says, he could be a problem. He, That's he why Derek want to lose weight. Mm. That's why you want to lose weight. I've never heard him say nothing like that. He's just fine getting his paycheck and beating up anybody they put in front of him. Yeah. I feel like he's like, you know what? I could be even faster and even more of a problem. He's a problem. If he loses that weight, get the hell out of mm. here. Um, this was another, again, writings on the wall. When the first round popped off, Mike, and he came flying at him from the gate, I was like, oh, the game plan is to knock him out, just like Walt Harris did. The game plan is don't waste your time. Yeah. Go for that man's chin. And if you watch the, the, the previous fight Olianek had against Walt Harris, it's the same sequence except different hands. Yeah. It's a jumping knee, and Derek Lewis uses his right hand, his power right hand, to put him down. Walt Harris uses his left hand. So kudos to Derek Lewis for watching tape on that dude, because he did land that flying knee to his chest, which also blitzed him and distracted him, similar to Walt, what Walt Harris did. And then you'd plant your feet, and while he's distracted and blitzed, well, what the hell's going on? You you knock his ass out, and that's what happened. End of story. I loved it, but I kind of knew that was the game plan from game from round one. But the only thing is that Olenek is such a danger on the ground that he knew right away to take him down and try to submit him. But Derek Lewis, his takedown defense is horrible, but he gets up. Yep. And he gets, gets up it, in ways where. Considering yeah, he doesn't even do on. it technically. There's no, he just, his big ass just gets up, Mike. I don't know how in any other way to describe <laughs> it. And even when he's in dangerous positions, um, he's just too big and too strong. All in that, you just can't bring this guy's arm back. As far, I think it was a Kimura at some point he was trying to pull on him or something. And I'm just like, he's too strong for that, sir. He's just going to get up. His big ass going to get up. And that's what he did. Yeah. Yeah. And if he keeps getting up, the chances of him knocking you out as the rounds go on increase. It's just what he does. And I have to say this, <laughs> Mike. I think I need to start respecting Derek Lewis. I think I saw the overweight brawler, the man that talks about his ball sack, the man that, 
you know, was grossly unprofessional sometimes, but also funny. I'm starting to think this guy might be able to contend or maybe even, you know, he's, he, we have to get him to fight Francis again. They have to meet again, whether we want to see yeah, it or not. I'll, they're both surging. I'll, I'll do a minute. Be, 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 uh, be less hard on yourself. I remember it wasn't the last show. We were looking at predictions, and you and you picked Lewis. Yeah, I I, sure I, I don't respect him. I just I it, mm. it's for that particular matchup. I had a feeling that we I I wasn't expecting him to do exactly what Walt Harris did. That was the shocker. Yeah. But I expected a Walt Harris performance. I expected someone to know mm. that this guy's chin can't handle my right hand or my left hand. Yeah. And I expect I did not expect Derek Lewis to feel him out. I didn't expect that at all. I expected him to come running out and trying to lay him out, and that's what we saw. So, mm. I, you know, and I think um, most people can't survive a Derek Lewis onslaught, you know. So that's why I picked him. But I, now, not only am I going to pick Derek Lewis, you know, more often, but I think it's about time we start seeing him maybe fight an Overeem or, you know, someone with a fight IQ and his size that is just going to be maybe to outsmart him or whatnot. It's just time to test him again. And we might mm. have to give him Francis. I know the fans don't want to hear it. But they're both surging, and they might need to fight each other again. And because we criticized them so harshly and the first fight was horrific, it might not be the same, and this fight now matters. So I'm going to push for it, but I, I doubt MMA Twitter and the fans want it. What do you think of part two, him fighting Francis? I don't like the See, possibility yeah. of that, to be honest with you. Uh, and and <laughs> All right, re- reel me in here, but... <laughs> in about time that this guy, um, we we talk about him in uh, in in the title contention. Yeah, that's yeah. I I believe it or not, I never thought someone who was like has is a brawler like this and with no takedown defense and someone who could just get up when taken down without the yeah. technical prowess of getting up. There are ways of getting up. This guy literally just stands up. I I never mm. thought I'd be discussing someone like this to fight for a title. Thank you. I, I, I just he doesn't he's not technical to me. He's he's someone that has a lot of power and he's someone mm-hmm. that too he kinda he kinda like his cardio will last longer than the other heavyweights. And he, he takes advantage of that. You know, and then, yeah. then he's deadly accurate and he hits pr- very hard. I just never thought someone with that type of style that I would be saying he needs to contend for the title. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> Now, we've had a few listener questions, so I think it might be a good idea to segue into those. This time, I am correct and proper and uh, set up for um, the audio questions. So let's start off with the first question from one of my favorites out there. I have to say, Combat Sports with Rhino. Um, Todd Rhino is one of the, I would say, premier podcasters out there when it comes to mixed martial arts podcasts he's, i would say hands down he's my favorite mm. or he's one of my favorites i should say um and um if you haven't already combat sports with rhino is definitely the destination every single sunday that you should be checking out um, for all your combat sports needs so here's todd rhino from combat sports with rhino hello 
all my friends out there at the Wolcast. This is your homie Rhino from the Combat Sports with Rhino podcast. Uh, Mike, this one especially goes to you, but I definitely want to hear G and Kairos has thought the the man last night for me was Darren the Dentist Stewart. Uh, we know I'm a huge fan. I know Mike is too. Um, I got a couple options in my head of who I think would be the next logical step for him in his uh, his ascent to title contention, but I'd be really curious and want to hear about what you guys think uh, should be the next fight or two for Darren to get to that you know conversation where he's in, in the picture for a title shot. So thanks so much, guys. Love you guys. Love the show. Uh, can't wait to hear what your answers are. Thanks. Yeah, pretty, pretty okay. popular question. Opie also sent that question in, so shout out to both oh, of them. Oh, okay. Yes. Darren's my boy, so I'm going to jump in first. Usually I say ladies first, but I can't wait to, to, to get this off my chest. I just want to see this happen because it was supposed to have taken place at UFC London. Marvin Vittori has had a surge in terms of interest around him and his career, and they were supposed to face each other. Darren Stewart versus Marvin Vittori was actually put off because of COVID-19. So next up, I'd like to see Darren face someone in the top 15. And Marvin Vittori, I think, is the only person that he should be fighting next. How about you? I actually agree with you on that. I just don't want to see it. It's weird. I think... um, Really? Yeah, I think Marvin... Oh, Darren, I love you. But I think Marvin's wrestling is going to be a huge problem for him. Huge. Hmm. I think Marvin... Oh, and I'm a huge fan of Darren Stewart, but I do think wrestling is not his forte, honestly. And I think that is Martin's forte, and he is on quite a tear right now. I don't know if I want to see him fight Marvin, but I think it's the—I think their paths need to cross, you know. Yeah, but he just—he just subbed someone off his back. Come on. Yeah, that's not happening. You got—you got to respect it. You got to respect his jits. I do respect his jits. I just worry that. That Marvin is. Sorry, you can hear my biased voice. I, I have to rein it in. I'm being incredibly biased. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted no, that's you. Okay. you can, I interrupt all the time. Please interrupt me. And I talk too damn much. Um, but yeah, um, for me personally, I wouldn't mind Christoph Jotko. I want Darren to fight someone that's going to stand and bang with him. I want to see Darren at his best. Mm. I hate to say it because I'm a little biased, but I don't want to see Darren um, battle another wrestler. Okay, and Edmund, even Edmund Shabazian, who is not even like known for his wrestling, knew to wrestle Darren, and he out wrestled him. This is the guy that couldn't yeah. wrestle Derek Brunson. He lost at that game, but he was able to out wrestle Darren Stewart. Not a good look. If you mm-hmm. can't out wrestle Edmund Shabazian, you're not out wrestling Martin Vittori, and he's going to get steamrolled. <laughs> so I would prefer like a Christoph Jotko. I would even go down a little bit. What about Kevin Holland? Can you imagine him fighting Kevin Holland? A stand up war. That would be incredible. Yeah, yeah. give him. Some, yeah, that that's that is a good. Give shout. him somebody that's going to test him on the feet. Yeah. I don't want Darren rolling around on the ground for a little bit. Let him get comfortable. Yeah. Let him. You know, I have nothing. There's nothing wrong with Darren defensively wrestling, like you know he did with Edmund. And also, too, you're right. Look at look at his jujitsu. He's coming up. You know, he had his back against a cage and he pulled off that beautiful submission. But I'm mm. afraid of a Martin Vittori. Let's keep building Darren. okay next up speaking of favorite podcasts another favorite podcast of mine comes from juice not zeus and jackson (laughs) g mike what up 
This is Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast, or as Michael Shirley say, a man, Aaron Jackson. Uh, love y'all, love the show. Gee, I'm sure, I mean, uh, and, and I'm sure both of you will have a take on this. Um, I'm sure you're going to bring up the um, Jordan Levitt uh, from, uh, from the Dana White Contender Series, having that flamboyant celebration, and everyone talking about this man's sexuality because, you know, bitches be crazy. But that's not actually what I want to talk about. Although, if you weren't, please do, uh, you know, go off. But um, I want to talk about those fighters, mainly Tim Elliott, Jamal Hill, and Luis Pena, who got sanctioned by USADA for cannabis. Like, what the fuck, bro? Are these narcs still uh, wiling about a few picograms of weed on short notice fights? Come on, dude. Get at yeah, me. Unbelievable. You see, I'm glad he he raised that, and I'm I, I, that was unprompted. I didn't actually give him the nod for that mm-hmm. because we discussed this um, on the yes, Thursday edition of the show. Oh, well, why? Well, thank you. We did miss you. We missed you sorely. But I'm glad that you know. I should have said this at the top of the show. I'm glad that you are up to full strength and back. But we discussed this, and for me, I don't know anything. I don't. Well, I don't know anything. I don't know enough about weed, and I make really sweeping statements, and I make generalizations when it comes to um, weed. I don't see anything wrong in it. And this is somebody who uh, is coming from somebody who doesn't smoke mm-hmm. it. So I don't know if it has any um, medicinal purposes that will enhance or um, push your performance to a level where it gives you an unfair advantage. So my thing is this. I just like uh, I get the gist from um, uh, Juice that this is 2020. Why are we busting people for marijuana? Considering that, you know, in Nevada, in uh, Vegas, weed is actually legal. But, you know, just park that. It's just the, 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 the moral stigma is no longer there. Weed isn't one of the um, taboo right. subjects that, you know, we can't talk about now. It's openly discussed. It's openly bought. It's legal in how many states? But yet, you know, athletes are still being busted for it. I say coming to 2020 with a fresh mindset and look at it as it as it is and that is a recreational drug and i see alcohol as a recreational drug because for me i find that alcohol has more casualties than weed but again i i'm looking at it again from somebody who doesn't actually smoke but I'm just looking at statistics in terms of road fatalities. How many road fatalities um, do you hear being racked right. up because of weed? How many livers do you see being destroyed because of weed? But I'm going off at, an, at, at a tangent. Just to answer your question in short, Juice, I see nothing wrong in weed consumption. And this is coming from somebody who doesn't smoke. Yet. And they shouldn't have to answer for what is. I think it's, it's a recreational drug. Yeah, I... I, I... I'm totally in agreement with you here. And um, every so often I partake in the devil's lettuce myself. And let me tell you, I don't, I don't get it. When I smoke weed, my, the worst that happens is that maybe I, I cheat on my diet. You know, I go in the refrigerator and I get something <laughs> that I shouldn't be eating if I'm counting macros or, you know, if I, it's not my cheat day. Or, you know, where yeah. I smoke too much and now my throat hurts and I need to drink tea. Other than that, I don't get the problem. Like, 
and do you ever feel like you could you could you could beat 10 women i know i feel like i want to take a nap and watch like a really you know movie that's really trippy or something it just kind of you know or i just want to talk on the phone with you and talk mma while i'm high you know what i'm saying like i don't it doesn't enhance shit as as when it comes to sports i don't get it ah i don't get it at all and here's another thing we have mm. to discuss that it also can be medicinal even if you don't have a marijuana medical card. There are plenty of yeah. people that are using it for appetite. There are plenty of people that are using it for anxiety. And wasn't there a fighter just now, Eric Spicely, is that his name? He was let That's he right. was let go for the UFC. Why? Because well, I don't know why, but I do know that he had mentioned that he was taking antidepressants uh, or he was taking medication right. for anxiety yeah. and his depression that resulted from possibly a head injury from his last fight. A lot of fighters mm. are smoking marijuana for those very same reasons that he's taking that antidepressant, and I think it's very strange that in your off time, if you get called for a short notice fight, you can also be flagged like Tim Elliott, and that's what Tim Elliott said. He was. Like, like, listen, y'all, when I'm not training, I'm smoking a little bit here. So if I want to take a last-minute hmm. fight, but I smoked a joint maybe last week, why is he being punished for that? And the weed did not enhance his performance. And it's so. And fighters are worried about that. I saw Angela Hill tweet, this is one of my fears. I take a last-minute fight, but I didn't anticipate this USADA or the Athletic Commission taking a problem with me smoking weed on my off time, and now I'm positive. So tell me something. The, the again, oh, I'm gonna sound like such an asshole, such a douche, such a dickhead. No. But there are two types of weed, right? There's indica and sativa. One is, an, is, is does one like get you really, really like up, and the other kind of like mellows yeah, you out? Yes, sativa is the strand that is like it's almost like weed, but almost like caffeine. Not that it gives you energy, but it doesn't give you that typical right. like, you know, I just want to like just zone out and just sit here and be lazy. I like the lazy weed. Mm. I like indica because when it comes to sativa, sometimes I feel like I'm in Vietnam. Like it just kind of wakes me up a little bit too much and I don't like right. it. And then I, everyone smokes weed for different reasons. I like it to relax. I don't need to smoke weed and feel like I need to go to the gym. That's not, that defeats the purpose. So there are different strands, but also those strands can help with, you know, anxiety depression and just appetite and I don't understand these are three things that you know pertain to a fighter's lifestyle and and then on top of it the biggest thing to me is that it does not enhance performance like PEDS why are we policing it what's the problem and it's 2020 right. and it can even be considered medicinal even without that medicinal card I don't get it I, I just don't get it. I cannot wait until maybe they, they, they rid the athletic commissions of punishing them for it. Some of these fighters are getting mm. nine-month you know, suspensions. That's, un, that's ridiculous for something natural that comes out of the ground, Mike. And also, Mike, I want to address real quick what um, Juice brought up as far as that contender series uh, fighter, Jordan Levitt. Did you see his, um, did you see his um, wonderful post-fight celebration? Uh, no, like I say, I, I, I missed the majority of the prelims. Well, no, no, this isn't prelims. This was Contender Series just started last week. and Oh, sorry. No, um, I, I didn't watch Contender well, I'll, Series. I'll bring no, you up real quick. Jordan Levitt, Contender Series dude, he, he does a beautiful performance, gets the win, and afterwards he does like a full-on split and, and, and like twerks a little bit and does the worm, and it seems a little bit effeminate. 
and it sent like MMA Twitter into a homophobic rage. And it was just really? such a, yes, it was just such a shame to see a grown man do a split and kind of act all goofy after a fight, and then everyone claim mm. that he's gay and go after his sexuality. So I think that's what like um, Juice was talking about. But oh. it it just to me, Juice. A lot of the people out here are just immature, and I think a lot of the fans that are projecting this like when they see a fighter that's a bit effeminate mind you mike the guy that i'm talking about is married and has a kid on the way he just acted really silly after his post-fight celebration he did a split and he shook his little bottom so he's obviously quite secure in his sexuality then thank you you took it right out of you took the words out of my mouth what i was going to say mike and juice is that anybody that see something as minuscule as a split and a man shaking his bottom that's the person that got turned on so what they do is that they go online and they talk about this guy's gay 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 the person saying that is gay 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 that's just how (laughs) i see it you know anybody secure in their sexuality like you just said mike as i'm describing it to you you're just like okay sounds like he just did a silly dance afterwards or whatever like yeah and then mind you it's so funny in his post-fight speech he thanks his wife and his baby on the way Mm. So he was just doing a silly dance. So if you have a problem with a man acting effeminate or if he dyes his hair pink and you're like losing it, you're probably the guy that gets hard when you see other men and you don't say shit. You're gay. That's just how I see it. I'm speaking for myself here. So don't be fooled by homophobia. Homophobia. A lot of the homophobes are homosexuals. Mm-hmm. So that's how I see it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and they don't and they have a problem with it because it's within themselves so what you know any man that is comfortable in his sexuality mike they don't shit on gay people they just don't i've never heard you kairos or anybody or my older brother ever have a problem with a man doing a split or pink hair or whatnot i don't expect to see those comments on your page why because all of you are well grounded in in your sexuality i think the person well, not only that i just feel it's a bit abhorrent to harbor views because someone doesn't share the same sexuality as you or does something which you know you don't do yourself or that you would like to do but haven't got the guts to come out and say i want to do that but that's why i think it's homophobia because i do kind of understand people that don't understand homosexuality so they look at it side-eyed i'm talking about the people that are like they see it and they all they go for the gusto with the insults and oh my god he's gay I question those people's sexuality is what I'm saying. I don't mm. question the people that are like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. You didn't grow up with this. You were taught in the church maybe or whatever that this is wrong. So I get those types too. But the people that are straight up homophobic, something going on with you. You might be gay is what I'm saying. <laughs> so don't pay them no mind juice. Those people suffering wow. inside. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got time for one more. Do you want to take one of the Twitter questions? Let me check my page and get a twitter question i had to jump mm. on um i jumped on my page to see the actual split and i watched it while i was talking about it he, he did an actual bang up job i'm gonna tag you on it was a quite a celebration but oh, okay let's jump to some questions about the next fight uh ufc 252 i believe and this is from natraj he says how do you see both stipe and dc's heavyweight legacy regardless of who wins and who loses and Natraj threw in his opinion for us to discuss as well he said for me Stipe is the greatest heavyweight of all time purely because the UFC in his uh, because you know he's a UFC heavyweight and also because he's world-class because he's also a firefighter so he thinks he's the greatest heavyweight of all time 
So, Mike, where do you think Stipe and DC go after they fight in the octagon? I like the prospect of them, just both of them, walking off into the sunset. There's no way that DC is going to continue because he's made it a very, very uh, focal point that this is his last fight. He said that he was supposed to have been done um, March just gone. So we, we are lucky to be hearing and seeing him um, talking about fighting, let alone actually, you know, fighting. I do like the fact that um, we don't get to see him walk off into the sunset and that's it. He's an excellent um, commentator. I love his 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 uh, insight into into fights. So I'm glad that, you know, that's going to be something which he's going to be continuing with. But, you know, I, I wouldn't hate um, Stipe for returning to what he loves. You can see that he's very passionate about being a, uh, a, a fire fireman. So I, I wouldn't hate him if he was to, you know, call it a day and say, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing. Because it's obviously his passion. He puts that above fighting if you look at the way or listen to the way that he talks. Yeah, he does. He has. A, listen, when you have a passion to help people and stuff, that kind of overtakes everything. You know, that's why police officers, firefighters. I mean, I used to be one. You sacrifice so much for people that you don't even know. And then you also sacrifice so much for people that kind of sometimes they don't like you. You're not always a hero, especially when you're a cop and you give up so much. And for Stipe to be the heavyweight champion, also a firefighter and dedicating his time between being a heavyweight, a firefighter and a father and a loving husband. That's incredible. However, pump your brakes. I'm not ready for this guy to leave. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I I love that he's balancing such a beautiful, you know, career and life, but hey, 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 let's see him fight Francis Nagano one more time. Francis is on a hell of a surge. And I don't care what anybody says. I have not, I don't know if the Francis Nagano that just killed Rosenstruck, has he been working on his wrestling and whatnot? Like he's still knocking people out with his raw power. Is he ready for Stipe part two? Nothing he's shown me thus far in his wins, although they are pleasurable and beautiful and dangerous you know, typical Francis Nagano style, but is he ready for Stipe again? I'd like to see it. And also, too, don't forget, Stipe, I think, wants a money fight before he retires, Mike. He's always calling out Tyson Fury. He's always testing the water with, like, a super fight in John Jones. Why not him and John Jones one day before he leaves? Because John Jones isn't going to happen, and <laughs> I, don't see, I, I don't see him being given uh, the green light to go and do anything in the boxing arena. Dana White has poo-pooed that. He's shitted all over any ideas that um, mixed martial arts fraternity have actually brought him in regards to actually, you know, taking on boxers. But I brought up Tyson Fury to show you that his mindset. He wants a super fight before he leaves. I have a feeling that Mm. Stipe wants that money before he leaves. I don't think he's leaving without fighting. He's going to look for a big name, whether it's John Jones or I doubt he ever gets Tyson Fury. None of us even want to see that. Sometimes when he nah. says, and I'm like, you tripping, brother. But, exactly. what I, but what I see is that the man wants a money fight before he uh, retires, and I think he's going to push for that before he does. DC needs to get the belt back and just retire. I don't want to see him fight John Jones. I don't want to see him mm. do nothing. I want to see him get his belt back, which I think he's going to do come Saturday. And, yeah, um, with you there. Yeah. I mean, I, I rewatched their fight, the second fight this morning, and it, it, it just... 
it just, you know, made me realize that I think he's going to do it again Saturday. But, you know, we'll, we'll break that down, I'm sure, another time. But I really do. Oh, definitely on Thursday. Yeah, definitely. 100%. I've been watching. I've been prepping for that, Mike. I've been watching DC's fights and Stipe's fights. And, I, and I'm rest assured I'm going to pick him still when we discuss it on Thursday. <laughs> mm-hmm. Speaking of which, that about wraps up this episode of The Wokecast. We will be back with the rest of the crew. Kairos, Chisanga, myself and G to break down all things uh, MMA and the uh, main talking points that we each bring to the table until such time. Make some trouble. Hello, let me hear you say it.